0: Four games, 17 goals. These Rangers are having no problem scoring, Molly.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you take into consideration who they've faced in net through the first four games as well, the past three Vesna Trophy winners before Igor Shostyurkin, to be exact, and then John Gibson, who's got a long tenure with Anaheim, also a pretty good goaltender, they've just been carving them up. Left and right, no problem finding the back of the net. And uh, I think that's a pretty encouraging early sign for this Rangers team.
0: A little early carving a month before Thanksgiving never hurts. Molly, will take you inside the locker room with stories from the week that was. And look ahead to the Rangers matchup with their old friend, David Quinn and the Sharks. We'll also answer your mailbag questions this week on the blue shirts. And of course, our Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Larry Brooks, stops by. It's all coming up on a brand new episode of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Special presentation. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Our Hall of Fame hockey writer, Larry Brooks, will join us a bit later in the program. I'm Jake Brown, alongside the star of the show, the Queen of the Post, Rangers beat writer, Molly Walker molly these rangers they score on the power play they score in every play i feel like they they just do not stop scoring 17 goals in four games another 6-4 win on monday this team is rolling they're three and one mika is just i mean eight points already in four games they're on quite the pace for a good season it's a little early so you don't want to get ahead of ourselves But this is fun to watch.
1: It's kind of hard to get ahead of, not get ahead of ourselves, because when you got Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin at the top, not just like five, top three in points production through the first couple of games is as about of a promising sign as you could get. I think that the fact that the scoring has come not just in bunches, but from the top six primarily and the top nine too. Filipinos gotten in on the action as well a little bit is also really encouraging, especially just considering how much of a top heavy lineup the Rangers have and have had for a while. But it hasn't always been the case where the top six has been able to consistently produce as they have through the first four games. But we would be remiss if we didn't point out how they've been doing on the other side of the puck, which hasn't been as tight as they probably would like it to be. But the good thing is, is that the Rangers are not looking past that in any way, shape or form, even after the 6-4 win over Anaheim, the mood in the locker room, not that it was disappointment because I, I like I asked them, you know, how difficult is it to be critical of your defense when you are making up for it on the other side of the puck, but they are. Disappointed in their defensive efforts through the first four games, I definitely think they want to tighten it up. I think head coach Gerard Gallant wants them to tighten it up, and that's kind of been the message. But it's really difficult to to be critical and and to look at these first four games uh, with a critical eye because it's seventeen goals in in four games is is no small feat. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a good start, and I think that they have their priorities in order and they know where they want to improve.
0: It's a week of memories here at Madison. Square Garden Molly Monday you know they did the video intro for Ryan Strom who you know you could tell he was a little emotional there sitting on the bench watching that you also you know you had Frank Vitrano as well who Sam Rosen called Vincent Trocek Vitrano poor Sam Vincent Trocek's first Ranger goal as at the Garden, his second goal overall first goal as a Ranger at Madison Square Garden Gets called Frank Petrano, but how funny was that? You were right in front of Sam when he yeah, made. It. He yeah,
1: I I actually didn't hear it, but I saw the reaction online, and you know it's a tough mistake, and I I do feel for Trocek. That is a tough way to have his first call at Madison Square Garden go down. But mistakes happen, accidents happen. And obviously it obviously wasn't intentional, but yeah, it was it was a really great night for Ryan Strom and and Frank Petrano. Frank Petrano got a nice little picture on the board. Thank you, Frank, and. You know, he was he was a big part of what they did in the Eastern Conference final last season and getting there. Um, he's just a sharp shooter, and and he he showed that off in the game as well. Uh, probably the biggest thing the Rangers miss about him. And then obviously Ryan Strom, you know, I I give him a lot of credit. I think he tried to downplay it a lot uh because of how he was probably feeling. Uh he said something along the lines of, you know, turning the page in the offseason, which I'm sure took a bit of time for him to do. And, and he really did express how much he wanted to stay in New York. And, and there was a deal on the table early on in the regular season. But at the end of the day, this this is a business. And these players do need to get paid. And they do need to capitalize at the right points and times of their career. And this was the right point in time for Ryan Strom's career. The Rangers weren't going to be able to afford what Ryan Strom could get at max on the open market. Um, So I think that they recognize that. And I think that that's also why the first deal was turned down. But Ryan Strom, I know definitely wanted to make it work. I, I really know he did, but he seems really happy. I mean, how could the beaches of California not make you happy? I think that probably helped the transition a little bit. And he was just talking about how it's really nice to have some stability for his family, you know, getting that nice big deal that he did from Anaheim. So I think it all worked out for the best. Um, I think the Rangers are still in a good spot, picking up Vincent Trocek to replace him. Um, I think the chemistry between Trocek and Panarin is still in the works and and coming along. It's going to take a while to get to where Strom and Panarin were, playing together as long as they did. Uh, but I think it, wor- it worked out for all parties. I really do.
0: You had Vetrano return. You had Strom return. And you also had Sammy Blake come back from the ACL tear. Good to see him back on the ice. And then Thursday, former head coach David Quinn today, as we drop this episode, returns as the Rangers take on the Sharks. He spoke with the media. Any impressions of what the uh, old Ranger coach had to say?
1: Uh, It was, it was a pretty good conversation. Um, I think that he also was kind of downplaying a little bit. I feel like that, I don't know if it's just us in the media kind of make a bigger deal of it than, than we have to, I guess that's kind of our job, you know, is to (laughs) make the storylines and to point out the storylines. But I mean, David Quinn's tenure in New York, it obviously had a, had a bit of a tough ending, but I think all in all, when David Quinn looks back at At his tenure in New York, I think he is proud of the way that it went because he was brought in to usher along the young players. That was kind of, not kind of, that was the purpose of bringing him in. He had that college coach touch to him, which was also his benefit and his downfall, I think. Everyone seems to forget it was his first NHL coaching gig. And I think that that needs to be spoken a little bit louder than it has. Nobody's going to be perfect in that spot. And he is the first person to admit that he said it on the call. He said it. He's gone on a couple podcasts in between uh, when he was let go and when he was hired by the Sharks and when he was the coach of Team USA at the championships. I think that he acknowledges it, that he made a lot of mistakes and that he learned a lot from it. And I know a lot of it comes down to how he was coaching the veterans on the Rangers team. But you live and you learn. And I think David Quinn kind of has that attitude and and knows that he is still evolving as a coach and still learning. Um, it's only a second team in the NHL. And obviously, it's been a bit of a rough start <laughs> for them. Uh, they are still looking for their first win of the season and his first as head coach of the Sharks. So um, we'll see if that happens Thursday night at the Garden or somewhere else down the line. I asked him about watching the Rangers go to the Eastern Conference final last season if he was surprised or not. And he said he was not surprised at all. You know, I think that they had this timeline in mind when they brought him in of where they should be one year down the line, two year down the line, three years down the line, four years down the line. And obviously Quinn didn't get to see it through that far, but they did take the necessary steps to get to where they are today. So it would be unfair to say that David Quinn didn't play a part in the Rangers' success because he came in and he did his job what was asked of him, and then it just it just didn't work out, and it was time for a, a more veteran voice in the room and head coach Gerard Gallant. So I think he should have a, a warm welcome tonight at the Garden, Thursday night at the Garden. We'll see. Well, we could talk about that later.
0: <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't evolve as a head coach tonight. He could do that the next game but let's uh let's hope he doesn't that he's gonna go out to marquee tonight if he gets his first uh his first victory as a a sharks head coach at the garden against his former team my god you'll see him popping bottles With the whole team after the game. Good God. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Well, we'll get to your mailback questions in a second. But, you know, I want to close this, Molly, with the locker room this week. Do you have any any chicken nuggets? We'll call it chicken nuggets since that's one of my favorite foods.
1: I like that. Yeah, you know, I got a couple. You know, Braden Schneider, he obviously changed his number from 45 to 4. So I asked him about it. He said that he wore 4 when he was younger and he just wanted to switch Single digits, he literally just likes the number more. So, we did get to see behind the scenes of the off the boards filming with the Ryans, and man, that was that was just a hoot. You should see (laughs) the way Ryan Reeves walks around the room and basically identifying his next target and making them sit to do it. Um, the theme was Halloween, so he was asking everyone about their Halloween costumes. He was reminiscing with Igor about his fun, um, I don't even remember what it was, it was the John Travolta character, oh, Pulp Fiction there was a video of him and his wife doing the fun dance from the movie. So that was kind of fun to watch them reminisce about that. And Zach Jones had to spend his 22nd birthday at a fan event, but he had a great attitude about it and he was happy to do it. We were kind of giving him some crap. We were like, how are How did you get roped into having to go to a fan event on your birthday? But it was good. And then obviously Jacob Trouba blocked that big shot with his head the other night and he had to briefly leave the game, but I'll tell you, he's got a really big bump on the side of his head that looked quite painful, but I think he's fine and, and ready to go. So, Let's and when
0: you're a captain, you just got to take the bumps and, and, you know, roll with them. Ryan Reeves, I mean, hang it in the Louvre. It's hanging right now.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that picture. That was I incredible. know it was. I, and, you know, I was if he wasn't doing the off the boards filming, I wanted to ask him about that. I wanted to ask him, like, are you going to frame that in your household? Because I would. I would have that over the freaking fireplace. If I were Ryan Reeves. That was an unbelievable shot. Just a one. Wonderful sports photo. Can't get better than that for hockey, I don't think.
0: Marcus Falingo, he's His uh, thoughts and prayers are with him and his family during this difficult mm. time of getting his <laughs> ass whooped
1: by Revo.
0: All right, let's go to your subtext questions. How do people submit to you, buddy? Is this Post Sports Plus, these questions?
1: It is. It's on Post Sports Plus. You can't um, subscribe to the subtext if you don't have Post Sports Plus. But once you do, you go on the... Website and there should be a way for you to plug in your phone number and it automatically signs you up and adds you on to my text blast. And I send out a bunch of, yeah, it's a text blast is basically what it That's is. Like something I, from
0: Nickelodeon or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you updates right to your phone, um, from practice things you need to know. Um, I send the lineups before every game And sometimes if I'm feeling like it, I'll send you some of my thoughts mid game after the game, some quotes, uh, whatever you guys want, really just uh, send me a text and let me know.
0: All right. So sign up post sports plus first 30 days, free, free trial. So, Submit and then you could submit questions. All right, we'll do a few now and then we'll save a few for Larry coming up in a few minutes. Steven Palchich and James Kulpis want to know was Dryden Hunt waived or sent to Hartford? Did Hunt do anything wrong or was it strictly a money issue? Or is it the roster spot for Vitali Kravtsov?
1: Um, a little bit of everything in that question there. You know, when you do get waived, it's for the purpose of, of sending the player to Hartford. It's just a matter of if he clears or not, which we haven't heard yet um, at this point in time. I imagine that he will clear. Um, If he doesn't, the Rangers are in trouble, man. He didn't do anything wrong. I mean, him coming in and scoring that game-tying goal against Winnipeg, which, first of all, was a really nice goal by Dryden Hunt. And he stepped in when Kravtsov was hurt, when Ryan Carpenter was hurt. Um. He's in a depth role this season, which is a little bit different from what he did last season. He didn't do anything wrong at all. And Gerard Gallant loves him. Just a Gerard Gallant kind of player. It was a money issue. Uh, They need to have some space. Carrying 22 instead of 23 on the roster helps them accrue cap space leading into the trade deadline, which is they're counting pennies here. Every single cent counts. Which kind of leads into the next question actually from Michael Silvers. Um, you know, he said, even after Hunt got put on waivers, do you anticipate Chris Jury making paper transactions, sending players to Hartford on off days to earn more cap space for the deadline? I don't know if I'd say anticipate it. It's definitely a possibility, but when you think about it, when you send players down to Hartford, you know, they're not making their NHL salary during those days. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope. You don't you don't want to do that too often, o- only when you really have to. um, because it's really not fair to the players to just keep you know, sending them up and down like that. But they are counting pennies and they are trying to make as much space as possible. I think if they only carry 22, they can get up to 4 million at the trade deadline in cap space, which would be huge and beneficial. Nobody should be expecting the type of four player haul that they brought in last season at the deadline. They just simply can't afford it. Every bit of space is going to count for the Rangers.
0: All right, this question is from uh, a herd of people. This is from uh, Paul Carp, Rich Turner, Bill Carter, Scott Manson, Frank Ross. Awful. I know they won with this basic lineup, but isn't it crucial to get Vitaly Kravtsov into the lineup to determine what we have? Wouldn't it be a tremendous boost to the team if he lives up to the scouting that led them to draft him in the top 10? Is Kraftsov going to play for the Rangers again? And what is the future? Where will Kravy play now that Lafreniere and Kakko are stalwarts on the first two lines? Take it away, Molly. It's
1: a, it's a good question. Um, they definitely need to find out what they have in Vitali Kraftsov. Um, That being said, we'll we'll find out Thursday night if he's in the lineup or not. But the couple days leading up to practice, it kind of seems like he's going to be a healthy scratch. But I think that it's just Gerard Gallant wanting to motivate him. To actually break into the lineup and to really show that, you know, he's ready to contribute in some facet. I mean, he unprompted said he loves Alexi Lafreniere in that right wing spot on the second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. And there is nothing not to like about what Lafreniere has done in that spot. He's looked really good and he is making an impact in that spot, which is really all the Rangers could ask for. So and that is where Kravsov played for a little bit at during training camp and in his first three shifts so I think that before he was hurt so I think that if he does get back in the lineup which I do expect him to at some point whether it be Thursday night or in a couple games or the next one whatever it is because they do need to know what they have and they do need to give him a look I think it'll be on the third line in some capacity which I think would drop Barkley Goodrow down to the fourth line which is honestly where Barkley Goodrow should be in general um, just to make the Rangers lineup a little bit longer but they got to find out what they have in Kravtsov and the early signs. I mean, granted, he had three shifts in that first game, um, so you can't really judge yet. But I mean, ask anybody, you know, Julian Gauthier probably outplayed him in the preseason But with Kravtsov, the herd of people (laughs) mentioned, he's a top 10 pick and they need to see if they can get something out of it. And for his cap hit, too, at the moment, um, it would be really beneficial if he could be a uh, full time contributing member of the lineup. So we'll see.
0: We'll do one more before Larry comes on and he'll answer a few. Let's uh, do from a, a lady. I believe Audrey Greenberg. I, Audrey, I don't think I've met any man with the name Audrey.
1: Oh, God, well, don't say that if it is.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We'll assume she's a lady. <laughs> no, uh, you let's
1: can... not assume anything. <laughs> we'll
0: send it ne- She'll send an update text next week. Yes, I am a girl uh, to respond. Don't have much confidence in our backup and goal, Jaroslav Halak. Maybe a problem later in the season. What do you think, Molly?
1: I disagree. Honestly, I think that the one game that he played in Winnipeg, he kept them in it until the end, which was more a credit to the Rangers breakdown on defense than it was Halak. I think Halak looked pretty good. In that Winnipeg game, honestly, he had to stand on his head a little bit. Honestly, he was the reason why it was why Dryden Hunt was able to score one in early in the third period and suddenly it was a tie game. He only let up one for most of the game. And then it was really it was on the Rangers, uh, where that game went from there as a whole, not just Halak. I think Halak is a really experienced goalie. We've talked about it on here before. He has been around the block. And my con- my one long conversation with him, that's just the vibe that i got he really he's seen some i think (laughs) he really has no no because he has he really has um and i think that's the kind of backup goalie that you want it's beneficial i really do um i don't think it'll be a problem at all of anything i think that down the line later in the season Halak is going to be, you know, a great guy to have just to maybe give Schusterkin some breathers leading into the into the playoffs when we know that Igor Schusterkin plays game after game after game after game. So I disagree, Audrey, whether you're a man or a woman. I disagree.
0: I'm a man. or Am yeah. I a woman? Am I? That's from Man or Muppet. I don't know if you knew that from uh, the Muppets. Great movie. No, great song. I didn't. Oh, you should probably watch that. Hearts knows all about that. If, if you haven't watched the Muppet movie, then you're not living right. All right. Well, someone who I know has watched the Muppet movie is Larry Brooks. Actually, he probably hasn't. But we'll ask him next on Up in the Blue Seats. You know what they say? Third time's the charm. All right, he has confirmed during the commercial break that he has not seen the Muppets, but he does join us now. It is our Hockey Hall of Fame writer at the New York Post, Larry Brooks. Follow him on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksie. Read his stories in the post, nypost.com, and of course, Post Sports Plus. Larry, let's start with a subtext question for you from Rick Schwartz. How do you think Jimmy Vc is playing?
2: I think he's doing exactly what the Rangers brought him in to do. He can play up he can play down in the lineup i think he's been pretty impressive on the penalty kill on the uh, four check i'm sorry um i think he's i think he's gotten in well on the four check i think he adds a little bit of skill to their third and fourth line so uh you know for a player who's signing for a 750 as their 12th, 13th forward i think he's been fine
1: i would agree i think uh the next person i want to ask you about is mika zabanajad He's just really hit the ground running to start the season. So is Artemi Panarin, for that matter. But I feel like that's more expected. What are you seeing from Mika and the player he's turned into?
2: What I see from Mika is is the the exact player he was at the end of the nineteen twenty season before before the COVID pause. He scored twenty three goals in his last twenty two games. He he was a he had evolved into a into a shooter. Um, which is kind of unusual for centers in the NHL. Although um, well, you could say Austin Matthews is a shooter. He is playing with so much confidence, and I think that's always been one of the factors with Mika. You know, is getting him to play with confidence is getting him just to play on instinct and for him not to get into his head too often. Um, he has an, he has elite skills, and when you marry that with an elite. Approach mental approach which he has. You have an elite player, and I think right now Mika is you know among the whatever you want to say five, 10 best players in the NHL. I mean he's his you know his penalty killing, his work on the power play obviously his five on five. He's uh, you know they're generally matched up against the either the other team's top line or the, the their checking line, but he's been going up against top lines. You know, his, 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 um, he's just so assertive in everything he does. He's playing with the uh, flair. He, he, and he, and he's got one of the great shots in the NHL. He really, and that right. one timer from the left circle right now in the power play, is, you know, it is Alex Ovechkin, it is Steven Stankos, it is Mika Zibanejad. I You know, they are, they are equivalent at this point. And so that's, that's just a weapon that the Rangers have. And he is a weapon that they can throw out for 20, 21, 22 minutes a night. He's um, he's off to a spectacular start, but he's off to a great start. He, he generally kind of tiptoes his way into the season, but it's not as if he hasn't done this before because he did do this at the end of the 1920 season. We know the following season was ruined by COVID for him. And then last year, he was a very, very, very good player. So this has always been within uh, Jed's capabilities.
1: Another guy that's started off pretty good. And you had a, a good tweet about him the other night uh, about Capo Caco when he was circling the zone with the puck before backhanding it in for a goal, you said that that was the capo caco from the World Championships. Just what did you mean by that? And what are your thoughts on how he started the season? I mean, he went from a game six scratch to the right wing of the top line in just a few months. So what's happened in your mind?
2: Yeah, well, what I meant is, is that that's the player, the, the player who who took the puck to the net. That's the player that the, the uh, that's what he did in the, in the World Juniors that year. That's what he did in the World Championships that year. And that's why he was the second overall pick. Everyone who watched the World Championships saw Capo caco dominate, you know, to a point where there was some debate about whether he or Jack Hughes should be number one overall that year. There, It was. You, know, you look back now and you say, well, that didn't really happen, but it did. You can, you can see the confidence with which he's playing now. He's he has learned how to play against older players he has learned how to play against bigger players and he's gotten bigger himself he is strong with the puck he's been strong with the puck on the boards for a couple of years now but he hadn't been able to take that next step to bring the puck to the net you know they would just stay on the outside stay on the outside he would set guys up maybe but he w- he was not uh he didn't he, you know he was not able to complete the final step and and go from the boards to the net. Now you see him handling the puck, carrying the puck, taking the puck to the net, creating traffic in front. He's very, very difficult to handle one on one. And and I and I do think that and and I uh, wrote about this the other night after after the game that his Ranger career could have gone two ways after the scratch. He could have decided. You know, at the end of a contract, listen, this is not working out for me. You know, no hard feelings, but I think I think I'd, I'd rather go somewhere else. Instead, he just rededicated himself to becoming a better player. And he said, um, he said you know, the other day when I was talking to him about it, he said he's always wanted to be here. This is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to succeed. So, and I know you talked to his agent over the summer, Michael. You who i thought was was really interesting in describing the way caco had reacted to the scratch and said look this is just one of those things don't don't build it up you know <laughs> you know he's not looking to leave and and that's you know what caco said i just want to i want to be here and i want to be better so and and that's he used the summer to build on last year to take the disappointment of being scratched and, and turn it into a positive for him. So he right now looks like the perfect, it's interesting because last year when they got Petrano at the deadline, Petrano brought this shooting mentality to the advantage Jed Kreider connection. Zora Gallant was talking about, oh, it's great to have a shooter. Now, Gal- Now is not a shooter, but he's a guy who is so strong now below the hash marks that that line now is becoming more of a possession line. And that's, you know, during training camp, I talked to both Kreider and Zibanejad about how the team can improve five on five. And they both talked about their own line. And Chris was the first. And then Mika later talked about how they wanted to be more of a possession line, how they didn't want to be a one and done line, just getting the one chance off the rush. They, you know, they, they want to be a riding line, um, as as Kreider says all the time now. Um, and that's what they have with Kako. They have this dimension of this physical player and their line now can grind grind the other teams down so he's added another dimension listen we're a week into the season um there's a long way ahead but um you know the early indications are, are nothing but positive on on caco and on that combination
0: all right another sub subtext question for you Larry uh from Joe Tadaro and Joseph Meliambro. Uh, we talked about it last week. What would a potential trade for Patrick Kane look like? It's hard to imagine the Rangers will get to the trade down line without injuries, injuries uh, necessitating call ups. Would a Kane trade require a roster player like Kako, Kraftsoff, plus odd amongst other draft picks?
2: It's four and a half months away. <laughs> Lots of things can happen. Teams generally don't trade top six players in order to get a rental. So if Kako remains as a top six, even if, if he's even if somehow he's back in the top nine, you want to you want to add. You, you, you know you don't want to subtract and add. You just want to add at the trade deadline. Vitaly Krasov, who knows what's going to happen with him this year? You know he hasn't played. We don't know. Uh, he's played you know three minutes, um, so we don't know about Vitaly Krasov. But to suggest that the Rangers would trade a top six player in order to rent Kane. Makes no sense. So if um, if Caco, if Lafreniere, if if that's the if that's part of the asking price, then then the Rangers obviously would say no to it. It's again, there's a lot ahead. The cap cons- the, you know, the cap considerations are going to be paramount. And generally, the more other, you know, right now they they would be looking at Kane at fifty percent. That's five point two five million in, in cap space they would need to have. If you brought a third team into it, you could shave that by another fifty percent. But if you bring another team into it, that means you're you're also have to give up more assets. The Rangers, as I as, as I wrote the other night, would prefer to be in a position where Kako, Lafreniere are playing so well that it obviates the need to empty the cupboard in order to get a player who's going to be there just for one, you know, for the for the playoff run and and as a rental. So. It's an underlying narrative. Um, it's it's going to be there all year, but um, it's way way too early to start to zone in on what a Patrick Kane trade might look like.
1: David Quinn back at the Garden Thursday night with the Sharks. We've talked a lot about David Quinn since the start of this podcast, but now that we've kind of gotten away. From his tenure in New York, how do you look back on it and how it unfolded?
2: I think that David actually, I think David did the job he was brought here to do. And, and, you know, he might not appreciate that, but he was generally brought in to take the baton and and hand it off to somebody who was going to take the Rangers to the next level. He was the guy, he was a development coach. Now, you can quibble with the, you know, you can quibble with that description. You can, you can not like that description, but basically he was brought in. To take the team from the letter to the next stage, which he did over three years. There were some missteps. There were some real highs, unexpected highs in the uh, in his second season, you know, the nineteen twenty season. Really unexpected highs. That's of course after they brought in uh, Panarin as a free agent and traded Truba, who you know had a so-so uh, first year, but it, it wasn't a traditional. Rebuild, and that they were going to hit rock bottom and then build their way back up. They they made that clear when they signed Panarin that that's not what their interest was. So Shesterkin came in the middle of that season. The Rangers took off. They roared. They basically into the into the pause, although they had kind of stumbled a bit a week or two beforehand. And then the pause, and then the bubble, and I think. I think it all fell apart in the bubble. Uh, you know, the the experience in the bubble was negative. Management did not respond to it, and I think, as as I wrote many many times that year the the bubble, the bubble you know hung over that season, and it was left to Quinn to address it. And I'm not sure he addressed it so well. So, um, but look, they got better under his watch. The plan really was for him to hand it over to the next coach who was who was going to take the team to the next level, and that's exactly what happened. You know, they they hired a different kind of coach, they hired uh, uh, you know an experienced coach who had who had gone to the Stanley Cup Finals, a player, uh, a coach I think who related a little bit better to the veterans than David did. But I you know I think for if you take a look at his three years, depending on what your expectations were. He, he did what he was hired to do. And, you know, to see him back in the same situation in, in San Jose with a team that has much, much less to build on than the Rangers did in uh, when he took over in eighteen nineteen. 19. It's uh, yeah. I just wonder is, is David Quinn meant to be this coach who takes over teams at the bottom of the league. And then after a couple of years, someone else comes in and, Kind of reaps the rewards of, of of what he had done, but I'm sure he's not complaining. You know, I'm sure he's not complaining at all about being in San Jose. All
0: right, last question here from Subtext: Warren Grossman, Paul Palmer, opinions on Zach Jones and his ability to stick in the everyday lineup. Jones is playing well as Braden Schneider's partner, but don't you think the Rangers need an experienced, more physical D man in the
2: sixth spot for the playoffs? I don't know if they need a more experienced player. I think they might need some more size back there. But I, I, again, I, I think we have another 60 games or so in, 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 order, in order to evaluate Zach Jones, in order to evaluate Libor Hayek. But again, there's not going to be a lot of cap space at the deadline. You know, last year, the Rangers had an essentially unlimited amount of space with which to make deals at the deadline. And so they got four players. They got four important players. They got Tyler Mott. They got Andrew Kopp. They got Frank Bertano. And they got Justin Braun. Who who became their sixth defenseman? They're not going to be able to do that this year. So you know the the you know it, it's going to be interesting to see if Matt Robertson develops in in Hartford this year. I I do think that it's important for teams to have size back there in the playoffs and. You know, Adam Fox is not big. Ryan Lindgren is not big. Keandre Miller is big, but he doesn't, you know, he, he's not a physical defenseman. So, yeah, I think the Rangers probably could use a little more size back there. But just because they could use it doesn't mean they're going to be able to do anything about it. So I think it's important that Jones develops. I think it's important that Robertson develops in Hartford and then they can take a look at what they have.
0: All right. The big picture question of the week for you, Larry, from me, who gave you the instant quote that became a story. What was the one player that you covered over these years who was always giving you a great quote for a great story?
2: Bobby Holik. <laughs> it was incredible. I think, I think I probably wrote, well, I'm, I'm I'm. pretty sure that I, that I've written more words about Henrik Lundqvist than any other player I've covered. I mean, that that makes sense. I covered essentially his entire career. I would say the second Probably would be Brodeur because I covered him for so long and Marty was a dream and Marty was a writer's dream. He was as good with the media as he he was in Nets. I I mean, he would talk on game days, mornings. He was incredible. Just incredible. So, you know, Brodeur was right there, but it always wasn't. But, you know, Brodeur was always there for a story. But I think probably, I probably wrote the third most words about Bobby Holique, and both, in, both in New Jersey and when he came to the Rangers. And listen, I mean, he spoke his mind. He didn't care. He didn't care what people thought of what he said. And his his all-time quote came to the... Uh, the game where the Rangers had traded for Yager in the um, 03-04 season, they, they got him in January of 04, and their first game was in uh, Ottawa. Yager's first game was in Ottawa. So he joins the team in, in Ottawa. They have this big press conference in the morning. Messier's there. Leach is there. Jager's there. And Yager actually starts, you know, looks around, you know, looks at the the stars on the team, and they did have some. Lindros was there, and he talked about how this reminded him of the Penguins teams, the great Penguins teams he had played on. So, okay, fine, fine, fine. They go out in Ottawa that night and they lose nine to one, nine to one. So <laughs> Bobby Oleek, after the game, standing there, and he all he has to say is, fundamentally, I think we are the worst team in the National Hockey League. <laughs> Um, but that, you know, but, but that was just one of of, of, of uh, Bobby's highlights. He was uh, he was always a go to guy. He was just he, honestly, you you, you if, if you couldn't get a story from Bobby Hulik, you're in the wrong business.
0: Well, Larry Brooks, you are a go to guy here on the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, NYP underscore Brooksy. read his stories in the post, NYPost.com. Larry, appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks a lot.
1: I would prefer to be by the pool, but talking hockey with you guys is always fun as well.
0: That wraps up episode 98, the Dylan Garand edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Molly, not a lot of travel here early in the season, a lot of home games, which is nice for you here. Halloween is a week away. Are you a big Halloween gal?
1: I am a big Halloween gal. Who doesn't like Halloween? I'm sorry if you don't like Halloween, but it's such a fun holiday. Come on. And there's free candy involved.
0: I must be the Grinch that stole Halloween, apparently. I'm not a big Halloween
1: gal. Surprises me so much. I feel like you would be the king of Halloween. you am a walking Halloween costume. I was gonna say you dress up by yourself all the time. So maybe is that why you're just not into it? Because Halloween is every day for you.
0: Yeah, I think I'm a naturally Halloweeny Halloween. Uh, that was a dad joke. My dad's. I think my dad joke was uh, why couldn't the warlock get the witch pregnant? Because. He had a Halloween-y. That was his uh, dad joke. So Real good nice. job. Dad. Yeah, We're I don't PG-13 know.
1: 13 here.
0: <laughs> I don't like the whole like spending a ton of money buying costumes and just wearing it once and then you never wear it again. It's like I'd rather buy Chicken Farm or something.
1: It, that's why you buy it and return it.
0: <laughs> that's okay. I didn't think of that. We're keeping receipts here. It's Coach we Sala. Are. It's the Jets. Uh, Jet style. Yeah, I don't know. i will just throwing. I just throw in a Cheetos hoodie or a jumpsuit. I just. I do a makeshift costume. But people will do like three straight weekends of Halloween. I'm like. It's one day. Why is it turned into three weekends? Yeah,
1: I don't know about three weekends, but when I was in college, we used to go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The entire Halloween weekend had to have a different costume every single day or else it just wasn't as fun.
0: So will you be doing this weekend and next weekend? Is that your plan? No
1: no actually we're coming home from arizona on the 30th and then i was talking with my roommates we might just go like to dinner somewhere on monday and get like mildly dressed up and then see where the night takes us nothing says halloween like a monday night yeah exactly
0: Uh, that's the word. Well, now it's a Monday, so that means everyone uses the whole weekend to call it Halloween. Well, I'm sorry to be the Grinch. Usually, I'm I'm pretty happy. I just Halloween. I'm more of like the holidays where we eat like Christmas and get presents and Thanksgiving and makes sense. Those are, those are my favorites. I see, I'm like the Jewish guy, hating on yum kipper here and not eating. I, that's that's what this is. This is the Jewish holiday Halloween. Catch up on all episodes by subscribing up to the blue seats on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five star rating. Write a nice review. Catch full episodes on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Page. subscribe get notified new episodes every thursday follow molly on twitter at molly walker two es Two R's and me at jake brown radio thanks to andrew hartz for producing the show for molly walker larry brooks andrew hartz i am jake brown we'll return with new episodes every thursday of up in the blue seats thanks everybody for listening enjoy halloween weekend part one we'll talk to you next week that handsome son of a gun